Amen. Give a, give a shout out to those watching online. Thank you for tuning in this week, live or throughout the week. Uh, praise God. So I have one little caveat I want to cover with you before we get into today's message. I'm going to be reading scripture and explaining a few things that uh, may not be appropriate for uh, the elementary age kids. And so middle schoolers are down t downstairs, uh, high schoolers are nurseries, but sometimes we have elementary kids stay in. Uh, and this, there might be some things that they ask you later that might make you uncomfortable to answer. So uh, you, you may want to take a moment and take them, take them downstairs to the children's church. Uh, it's your call. Uh, but again, just so you know, because I don't, I don't want you to call me later saying, why didn't you let me know you were going to talk about some of that stuff? I would have, um, I'm letting you know. <laughs> All right. So uh, Della, what's up, girl? Come on. So I've, I've already offended Della. I didn't preach yet. <laughs> that's, a pre, that's a precious person right there, folks. And, and Gary, good to see you again, brother. Praise God. Don't be a stranger in this house, man. It's good to see you. Uh, God is good, right? All the time. And then the second thing is, last week we talked, and if you weren't here or you didn't, weren't able to watch online, go back and watch. We talked about fourth dimension Christianity, being a Christ follower. That is going to continue through this whole sermon series on the I am. Seven times in John does Jesus say, I am, dot, dot, dot. Last week he was, I am the bread of life, but he's giving a bigger picture to his disciples. Listen, you don't have to count on just what you have. We need to count on Jesus for everything. Thing, right? And so the same is true. I want you to have that mindset today. Jesus starts to show us things as he's showing his disciples, as he's showing the apostles, as he's showing the scribes and Pharisees, as he's showing the Roman centurions, as he's showing people throughout the book of John who he is. I am. In fact, he tells Moses, I am that I am. He, he says it with authority and with unction. And so we're going to learn who Jesus is, but not only who Jesus is, but what he has already done for us. Okay. So we're going to read today out of the book of John, the eighth chapter, one through 12. It'll be on the board. I'm going to read out of my Bible for time's sake. And then we are going to uh, get into some really cool stuff today. John 8, 1, they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let whom who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
for your word, that you truly are the light of the world, and you truly show us how to live. So, Father, we thank you, God, that you are enlightening us right now, Father, Lord, with your light. Bless us. Open our ears to hear, our hearts to understand, Father, Lord, your good word. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. amen. Praise God. What a wonderful story, and yet we, we know there's pain. We know there's suffering in this story. We know there's probably some shame. And as Janie said a moment ago during worship, we know that probably if all of our life was put on the big screen, we'd have some things in our life that we'd be a little bit embarrassed about or maybe shamed about or, or maybe just hurt about or disappointed about or, uh, you know, we, we would want forgiveness about those things. We all have a big screen in our heart that, we, that, the, that the enemy knows, and he reminds us of that sometimes times daily, that we're not who we're supposed to be. And that's not why Jesus came into the world. Jesus came into the world to be light in the world. And so it's interesting, I thought, that this is the second time in two weeks that we see the word test. Last week, Jesus was testing Philip, who was the loner. Hey, can you go ahead and provide? Can we, can we get some food for these 5,000 men and women and children? And, and Philip was like caught off guard. Andrew steps in and Andrew says, well, there's a person here that's got two fish and five loaves, but what good are they? And Jesus says, bring them. This is fourth dimension thinking. We think three-dimensional. We think what we can touch or what we can walk on or what we can see. And Jesus wants to start having us think in the fourth dimension. What can I believe for? What can I envision? What can I speak into existence? What can I call out? And so today, though, now the scribes and Pharisees are wanting to test Jesus. And that's probably like bringing a knife to a gunfight. That, that's not going to work out really well for the scribes and Pharisees. Can you say amen? It, it, that's just that. It's like we don't need to test Jesus, but he's going to show us, and he shows us in his good love, and he's, and he's concerned about this person who's now standing before him. So I'm going to give you a, a couple things today on, I believe, how Jesus flips the script of this scenario in this story, how he makes it real for us. See, number one, the world shines a light on sin, but Jesus shines a light on grace. Everybody shout grace. grace. Grace is so beautiful, unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can only receive it and accept it. And it was beautiful on how Jesus looks at this. In fact, he gets down on his knees and he starts to write some things down and he does it twice and he gets up and he says, hey, you without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. Just go ahead and throw it. And we, we walk around sometimes with rocks in our pockets. And we're just looking for someone to throw a stone at because that makes us feel a little bit better. And the scribes and Pharisees here, yes, they were testing Jesus. How is he going to act? What's he going to say? But the fact of the matter is, under Levitical law, had Jesus been there like he was, and they brought this adulterous woman to him to be stoned, there should have been a man involved as well. It should have been a man and woman because she was caught in adultery. She didn't confess adultery. She was caught in it. So where's the guy at? Well, you know, they're trying to test Jesus. And so Jesus gets down and says, hey, cast the first stone. If you're without sin, go ahead. And he knows. And now maybe he's writing down uh, in the ground. Maybe he's writing some different sins. Maybe he's writing sins that they did. Maybe he's writing names of the men who had been with that woman. Maybe he wrote the name of the man down who was with the woman they were caught in adultery. Like, where's he at? But I want to tell you what Jesus is shining a light on is not the sin itself. He's going to shine a light on the grace. I looked up. In the Old Testament, there's between 28 and 36 
different sins in the Bible that they would have been stoned for at the time, back, back in the day. You know, uh, Jesus' culture is a little bit different, but preceding Jesus' culture, preceding that age of grace, I'm going to read them to you. This is why I needed some of the, the small kids to, to leave the room, if you will. Murder, obviously, was one. Kidnapping, child sacrifice, adultery, man and woman, rape, prostitution of a daughter of a Levite. The Levitical priests were uh, counted as higher, more spiritual. They were the, but they, if their daughters were prostitutes, then they had to be uh, stoned. Idolaters, any person that uh, puts anything above God. So you put somebody above God, you're an adulterer, you're going to be stoned. You put something above God, you're an idolater, you're going to be stoned. Breaking the Sabbath. We'd probably all die on that one. Next time you go to the mountains and you skip church. <laughs> Next time you go to the beach and you skip church. Well, pastor, I watched online. That doesn't always count. If you can be here, be here. Right? Come on. Oh, thank you, honey, for saying yes. I got one person in the house that's agreeing with me right now. The rest of you are going to take out back in stone. <laughs> Not really, but I do got a crew that's got some rocks ready. Um, Fornication, that's any sex act outside of marriage. Just Because people want to qualify. What does that really mean, Pastor? It means don't do it. Don't get married. Don't do it. Let me say amen. I'm touching you. Homosexuality, incest, bestiality. Now, those are tough ones there. False prophet. In other words, that guy that uses the God card and said, hey, God told me. In the New Testament time, he, or in the Old Testament time, he would have been stoned. That, that stopped people from dropping the God's heart all the time. Well, you know, God told me I'm super spiritual and I'm supposed to do this. Okay. False witness. Disobedient son. I'm just saying. In the Old Testament, if you disobeyed your parents, you were goners. That's hardcore, isn't it? A child who hits his parent. A child who curses his parent. A man fighting with a pregnant woman, causing her to lose her baby. If your ox killed somebody, the ox didn't die, you did. A sorceress or a medium, witchcraft in other words. Anyone who entices you to go after other gods. A blasphemer, that's someone who is uh, looking at God with irreverence. Against the court, that, that would be the court of law or insurgency or insurgents. That would, would we, see, we hear that name a lot or that word a lot. It's in the, in the press a lot. Those insurgents would die in the Old Testament. And a non-Levite who walked into the tabernacle. Now, by my count, and I won't list them again, but David should have been stoned for five of those offenses at least. Five different ways, five different times. King David, the greatest king of Israel and Jerusalem that ever had, he should have been stoned. But see, Jesus came to shine a light on grace and not sin. He wants to show us that his grace is sufficient, that he, he does love us. And so I don't want you to get high center today on sin. Now, all of these sins are relisted in the New Testament. Most of them are in the commandments, different things. And Jesus rehearsed nine of the Ten Commandments. The only one he didn't was to keep the Sabbath. He said the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. In other words, he's trying to break these, this group out of legalism and say, wait a second, you need a day of rest. 
You need, a, you need a day where you can take off. You need a day that, but we understand that it might not be Sunday. We have a lot of people that maybe have to work on Sunday in hospitals or care centers or fire departments or police departments or different, different realms. Stores are open 24-7 now and people are having to work. And so we understand, but you do need to take a Sabbath. But these are and the ones that Jesus listed in, in the Gospels, uh, the nine commandments. And if you go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, Colossians, the sixth chapter, every single one of these is listed as something that we should abstain from. But again, we're not getting high-centered on the sin. We want to get high-centered on the grace. Now, when Jesus says, woman, where are there your accusers, and neither am I, he starts this pattern of, wait a second, if I can live my life in a heartfelt way that says, God, I am simply trying, then that grace really is sufficient. That grace really does. If, but if I'm using grace as an out, if I'm using grace that says, wait a second, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah I said the prayer, I'm, I'm good to go, now I can just go live like the devil, I'm not sure you really got it the first time. We need to bring you back around again. But we're going to center on grace, we ain't going to center on sin. Number two, the world shines a light on judgment, Jesus shines a light on mercy. In Leviticus, where most of these sins are identified, right in the middle of the book, and Leviticus is in the book, like if you're new to reading the Bible, Leviticus is not where you want to start. It, it, that's not the book you want to start. And I think I'll read Leviticus. That sounds really good. No, it's not. It, no, it's not. It will mess you up. And right in the middle of Leviticus, just out of the clear blue sky, God says, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. Which is what Jesus is quoting when they said, Who's the, what's the great commandments? Love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself. So he's shining a light on mercy. He's not shining a light on, on, on judgment. And we, we sing the song. We know the words. In fact, let's go to James 2 and 13, and we'll come back to the screen so you can write it down. James 2 and 13 says, For judgment is about mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's look at that one more time. For judgment is without mercy who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And so we know a couple things here that we can obtain mercy by giving mercy out. Isn't that great? It's like you just keep giving mercy away and God just keeps giving it back to you. And he stores it in the heavenlies for you as well. And mercy's like the modern day manna where they would wake up every morning and manna would be new on the ground and they would eat it. You wake up every morning and mercy is new for you every single day. Let me read it one more time. The world shines a light on judgment. Jesus shines a light on mercy. We have to give mercy. Yeah, but pastor, I, and I got a feeling sometimes we walk around with rocks in our pockets. Like, I just want to throw my rock at somebody. Barry, I just want to hit you over the head with a rock sometimes. Not really. We, we walk with rocks in our pockets saying, if I can make their sin just a little bit worse than mine, then I'm okay. But the fact of the matter is, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the gift of God is eternal life. It's the Romans road. And then you go into Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if I accept Jesus and the work that he did, and I believe it in my heart, confess it in my mouth, I'm saved. 
That mercy then is mine. That mercy then is new for me. And if I fail today, you know what? Mercy is good in the morning again. It's beautiful. Every morning that we get up, Janie will make me breakfast. We don't eat on Sundays. We fast from Saturday night until Sunday lunchtime, or at least we try to, unless there's Krispy Kremes, and then sometimes I will grab six or seven of those. <laughs> but not, not that many, two or three. <laughs> None today. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to hold off. And, and, <laughs> and so... And so she'll make uh, breakfast every morning. And, and, and I, feel, I feel spoiled. I mean, it's good breakfast. It's good stuff. <laughs> stop. <laughs> just, just stop. Stop or leave. Ushers. <laughs> Ushers, please. There's a person in the front row that will not calm down. Uh, <laughs> she, she's my wife. Uh, Good luck getting her out. <laughs> and I feel spoiled. This, this breakfast, is, it's fresh, it's new. It, it might be bread, it might be uh, eggs, it might be an omelet, it might be French toast, whatever. It's going, and it's going to be good. It might be a big homemade yogurt with fresh strawberries and blueberries and bananas and drizzled with honey. It's going to be good. It's fresh every day. That's God's mercy for you. It's fresh and it's new every day. I would ask don't abuse it, but use it and then give it away. Give that mercy out. Give that, let that mercy be shared. Let that mercy be given. On October the 10th, 1995, there off the coast of Newfoundland, it was a foggy night, and there was a couple lights coming and shining each way. Now, the United States Naval Department has refuted this uh, conversation that was taking place, which leads me to believe that it probably actually did take place between the Americans and the Canadians. And here's how the conversation went. Uh, the Americans, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadians recommend that you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Americans, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians, no. I say again, you divert your course. Americans, this is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be taken, uh, undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. The Canadians, this is a lighthouse. You're about to hit land. Your call. We want to judge everybody. We want to call out their sin. We want to make sure that we know and God knows and everybody knows that we're better than them. And God says, you're no good except for my grace and mercy. Why in the world are we thinking that we got to call out other people's junk and garbage and stuff when God Almighty is saying, hang on, wait a second, you're about to hit land, you're going to crash because you think you are better than who you are. The scribes and Pharisees were that way with Jesus. Janie will tell you that the people we have the hardest time with in all of life are religious people. Well, we love sinners. <laughs> we love saved people. We, we love people who are just trying. We love people who aren't even trying. We just have a struggle with people who are so super religious that they think they know everything that's going on, and they're going to try to change the way that God thinks that, like they're going to tell God how to do it. 
That's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing right here. And Jesus says, wait a second, I'm going to shine a light on grace over sin, and I'm going to shine a light on mercy over judgment because you brought this person to me to judge her. Shame ridden, probably half dressed, dragged out of the bed or room and brought before these, uh, these, these scribes and Pharisees and drugged down the street and then sit before Jesus. What are you going to do, Jesus? I'm going to shine mercy on her because mercy triumphs over judgment. Number three, the world shines a light on punishment, but Jesus shines a light on redemption. You see the growth pattern here. First it's sin, and then it's judgment, and then it's punishment. That's kind of the way of the world. That's even the way of the church sometimes. We really do like it when bad things happen to bad people. We're kind of okay with that. Well, you know, the guy deserved it. He's a bad guy. He's still a human being that was created by God. I think at some point in time, we have to come to the realization that, wait a second, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Like God sent Jesus to die for everybody. And here I am walking around with rocks in my pocket, looking at just being able to throw the first stone at somebody. And Jesus says, go ahead. If you don't have any sin in your life, go ahead and just fire that first stone off. And, and I think it's a qualifier for all of us to say, wait, I, I need to rethink this punishment deal when I'm learning about redemption. And redemption is such a beautiful value in our life. There's a difference, and you, you'll get the, the picture here, between um, umpires and lifeguards. Uh, an umpire is, is set to uh, stay within the boundaries of, a, of an event. So the, the umpire will stand behind the catcher, look at the batter and the pitcher, all have one uh, streaming line there, and you know, he'll, he'll, he'll call the, the pitch, it's a ball or it's a strike. It's one or two. If it's a volleyball, then it's a strike on the first two, and then it's uh, the, the batter can stay in line as long as he keeps fouling it off, but he'll call it, that's a foul ball or, or he hits, a, he hits a long ball, and it gets in the, the guy's glove, and it bounces out over the fence. All of a sudden, it's a home run. And he'll count strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. And he calls him out, or he'll call him safe at second if he's stealing, or if it's a triple or a home run, he'll start to make the motion. But an umpire's duty in life is to make sure that everybody plays within the rules and the regulation of the game. Do you agree with that? Like he's the guy or she that calls uh, strikes and balls and outs and, and safe. A uh, uh, lifeguard is similar to that in the fact that they sit on their lifeguard chair or they walk the beach or the pool deck and they'll blow the whistle, stop running. Or they'll say, don't swim in the deep end. Or if you're going to go off that tower, you have to dive off that tower. When we were growing up, we were, uh, had the, the, the pleasure of growing up across the street a couple blocks from a, a city pool that was Olympic size. And so they had a one, two, three towers, a high board and a low board. And the high tower was Olympic high. It was like 33 and a half feet. And you had to dive off that tower. You couldn't jump. And the lifeguards, uh, the deep end was 16 feet. And so the lifeguards were very particular about who went in the deep end or who went off the towers or the boards. And they were always blowing their whistles. They were always sitting people down for five minutes. They were staying in control and they were keeping control. But what would happen if someone fell into the deep end and they couldn't swim, they didn't blow their whistle and sit there and say, I told you not to fall in there. What are you doing? Serves you right. 
They dove in after him. Listen, Grace Church, we need a whole lot more uh, lifeguards than we do umpires. We don't need a bunch of rule people. The, the lifeguard is good. The lifeguard, listen, the lifeguard's a discipler. Don't run. Or, hey, read your Bible. The lifeguard is an is apostle. I'm going I'm to worship God. I'm going to do the. But what we need is to say, listen, I'm going to teach you, but at the same time, I'm going to throw you a lifeline so that we can bail you out. I'm going to get you to the point where we're going we're gonna to drag you out of the deep end or we're going we're gonna to get mad at you later for running on the pool deck. But because you're drowning right now, we're going to cover first things first. That's what the redemption story is of Jesus Christ. Hey, if I can stop you from getting punished eternally for your sin, why don't we just try to correct it right now? And if we can correct it now, that brings redemptive decision-making to each and every one of us. It goes back to mercy, and it goes back to grace. And when I look at the scribes and Pharisees, and Jesus again bowed down twice, and the first time he's writing with his finger on the sand, and maybe he's naming names, or maybe he's naming sins, and then he says, hey, whoever's without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Then he gets back down again, and he's maybe naming more names, or maybe he's naming more sins, or maybe he's naming the man that was caught with this woman who they didn't bring because they, they liked him or they knew him or they had some type of relationship with him. And so they bring her, and, and she's just a pawn in their game. It's not like they really care about it. They probably have been down that road before. And this, again, is true and prevalent with sin. It just becomes a pawn in the game. And we can remember or realize or recognize in Christ that, listen, I'm forgiven. I'm going to work on my heart. And Jesus says, hey, just go and sin no more. And I think what he's saying here is don't have a heart to sin. Don't have a heart to do that again. Don't have a heart. We, we read about David, and like I said, in his sins, there's about four or five that he should have been stoned for. The cool thing about David is he doesn't redo any of those sins. And that's why he's a man after God's own heart. He's not a man after God's own heart because he lived a perfect life. He's a man after God's own heart because he recognized his failure or with Nathan's help, his failure was pointed out. And then he moves to a point where I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to make what's right. I'm going to do what's right. It's a redemptive lifestyle. And we can walk in that redemptive lifestyle. It becomes, it becomes contagious for us. Moses in Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, gives us some ideas. I, let, me, let, me put, let me give number four. Put your rock down and pick his rock up. When, when we walk in life with our pockets full of rocks, ready to stone somebody who does something wrong or there's a sin there, again, it doesn't diminish and I do not want to diminish sin or wrongdoing. I'm not, that's not what this message is about. This message is about saying, wait a second, if the church will finally step up and be the church and love people right where they're at, who they are, the way they are, and then grace prevails, and then mercy prevails, and then redemption prevails, then all of a sudden we're all just emptying our pockets and throw our rocks down because we too understand that we could be the ones who the rocks are thrown at. If we walk in our flaws and our failures or they're shown on the big screen, everybody's throwing rocks at everybody. Jesus wants us to put our rocks down and pick his rock up. Now, what is his rock? Well, Deuteronomy, Moses tells us five types of rock he is. In verse 14, in verse 4, he says, the rock is perfect. Jesus is complete. Jesus is all you need. That's all you need. Like, I don't know a whole lot about a lot of things, but I know Jesus loves me. You're in. You're there. 
Now study the word, get a prayer life, come to church, worship God, but you've started with the greatest thing there is, and that's Christ Jesus. He's perfect. Number two, in verse number uh, 13, the rock produces honey and oil, or it could be said favor and anointing. When you pick up Jesus as your rock and you empty your pockets of rocks of judgment, remember Jesus said in Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses uh, one through five, judge not lest ye be judged. For the same measure that you judge, that measure is going to come back to you. And why do you look at the speck in a brother's eye when you got a plank hanging out yours? First deal with your plank and then you can go ahead and help the brother with his speck. This is, this is when people realize, hey, I'm just not going to judge that way. I'm not going to judge that harshly. I'm going to put my rocks down. I'm not going to stone anybody today. And I'm going to pick up the rock, Christ Jesus. Then all of a sudden, favor starts to get poured out on them. And anointing gets poured out upon them. And things happen and things work out. It's like, why is that person walking in the favor of the Lord? They are not judgmental. They're a Christ follower who recognizes that mercy and grace that are new for them can also be new for somebody else. And all of a sudden it produces honey and oil, which is favor and anointing. Number four, the rock fathered you. I mean, this is your Abba father. This is your daddy. And I understand there would be people in this room and watching online that maybe did not have a happy experience growing up. My wife and I have had the pleasure of having great, great, great fathers in our life. Great men. Just loyal and dependable and consistent and there. And I understand that that's the case, not the case in every home. First of all, if you are a father, you might need to step up. You might need to be that person that your son or daughter are looking for. But if you don't have a father, the Bible says that God will be a father to the fatherless. In other words, you have the greatest father of all. He spoke this world into existence. You are a created human being, not by surprise of God, but by the glory of God. To give God glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving, he's fathered you. He loves you. He cares for you. And when you see a a father who loves their kids and that child comes running up and jumps into the father's arms, there's a picture there of what God wants to do for each one of you in that spiritual realm. He wants you just to jump into his arms because he cares about you. A good father cares. A good father uh, understands. A good father doesn't push the son or daughter away because they made a mistake I'm sorry, we're going to disown you. We don't, we don't like you anymore. We don't, we don't know who you are. They love unconditionally. The rock fathered you. And then last but not least, as the worship team comes back, comes back the rock stands by you. And I want you to grab that one. That's important. The rock will stand by you. What does that mean? Well, when everybody else will leave you, the rock will stand by you. When everybody else starts to judge you and throw rocks at you, the rock will stand by you. When everybody else doesn't care about you, the rock will stand by you. He, he has your back. He has your side. He has your front. He cares. He loves. There's a scripture in Matthew. <coughs> if we can put it up there. Jesus speaking. And the one who falls on the stone or rock will be broken into pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Here's the nuts and bolts of that. If you fall on the rock, Jesus, 
Yes, it'll, 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 there'll be a brokenness of you that will lead to salvation. When the rock Jesus falls on you in the day of judgment, it'll crush us into pieces. And so there's a, there's a moral here to this story. Stand with me right where you're at. There's a moral to this, to this scripture is that when I cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me, I'm throwing myself on the rock. But when I walk around in judgment and I want to highlight sin and I want to highlight judgment and I want to highlight mercy, uh, uh, punishment, then, then I'm throwing myself underneath the rock. But when I want to highlight grace and I want to highlight mercy and I want to highlight redemption, then I pick up his rock and I set my rocks down. And I want to talk to you for just a moment today because we're going to do something just a little bit different. I'm going to ask for anybody and everybody who will to come up here in just a moment. Because I felt in my spirit this week when I was praying, this would be more of a spiritual healing. Because I know people have been unjustly judged. And I know people have unjustly judged. And I know people have been hurt and wounded and they, they, they felt like there's been rocks thrown in them. And I know people that have been hurt and wounded and they feel like they've thrown rocks. And so if this message has in any way, any thought, any inkling ministered to you and said, you know, I've had rocks in my pocket or I've had people throw rocks at me, I want you to come forward and just stand across the front. Just right now, just, just come forward and say, this is where, and we're not talking sin. We're just talking, man, I've, I've been judged or maybe I've judged. I've been, I've, I've highlighted sin and punishment and judgment rather than highlighting grace and love and mercy and truth. And, and it's not right. I want to put my rocks down right now. And I want to pick up the rock Jesus who's fathered me and loves me and he's perfect for me. Just come in just as close as you can get. Make room for others because I, I want you just to recognize within your heart and your spirit that Jesus really does care. In a moment, when we start singing, we're going to have some prayer team members that are just going to come behind you and just kind of pray for you. They're not going to lay hands on you or anything. They're just going to, they're going to pray a spiritual healing over you because this is that place where we need to be. This is that place in life where it needs to be. I'm tired. I, I've had rocks hit me, and I've had people, and I've hit people with rocks. It works both ways. So I know the pain that might be within you. But I'm going to ask you this while you're up here. If you would, just raise your hands up and spiritually just let those rocks down and say, Father, I don't need to toss any stones, nor do I want any stones to hit me. Father, I, I repent. Lord, I receive. I accept. I love. Lord, I thank you. Father, Lord, if correction comes, it comes from you the house of the Lord. Lord, I'm tired of judging people. I refuse to do that. I'm going to be a life giver. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak hope. I'm going to speak truth. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name. As the prayer team comes and starts to pray around people, Lord, that you would just bring spiritual healing in this place to those that, Father, have been pummeled by rocks or maybe have been rock throwers themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship. Stay standing, stay here. We want to pray with you today. God bless you.
Amen. How many of you are grateful for merciful Jesus, our merciful God? Amen. Amen. I wonder, as you hear that story of this woman who is caught in this sin, she's brought before these people, who do you identify with in this story? Do you identify with those religious people and you feel like maybe you've been throwing stones and judging people without even judging yourself? And you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit to ask God, Lord, would you just forgive me of being that kind of person? Help me to show mercy. Or do you identify with Jesus and you say, wow, I'm, I'm, I want to show mercy to those around me. I want to show love to people around me. Or maybe you're here and you identify as that person who was caught in that sin, knowing very well that you deserve to be stoned to death because of your failure, because you messed up. But then Jesus looks at you just like he looked at that woman and says, where are your people that are going to throw stones? Who is condemning you? I'm not going to condemn you either. And so today, I just want to close in prayer, but I want you to think about that. I think that we can all find ourselves in all of these different places. I know I can. I'm certainly a forgiving person, but I find myself being judgmental. And I certainly deserve condemnation, and I deserve punishment for my sin. But I'm so grateful for that mercy that Jesus extends towards me. It's the same Jesus in that story. So um, let us just be like God. We, we can be like God when we forgive and when we show mercy. When somebody says, you know what? You deserve punishment, but I'm not going to give that to you. That's mercy. So if you're comfortable, hold your hands up to the Lord and just uh, offer yourself to him. And, and maybe you need to extend mercy. Maybe you need to receive it today. But let's pray. Lord, I thank you that, God, that you are a merciful God, that you withhold punishment from those that deserve punishment because you love us and because you are merciful, because you say, I'm not going to condemn you even when you deserve it. Lord, for those of us that are judgmental at times and we feel like we are condemning others, Lord, I pray that you would show us the way people, the, show us them through your eyes, God, so that we can see the love of Jesus uh, in each person around us, God. And I pray that you'd help us to receive that mercy, God. Lord, those of us that are, are walking here today, and we just come before you, Lord, like, like the tax collector that says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, we know that that person was justified that day, not the Pharisees. So we humble ourselves today, God, and we just ask you for the mercy and the grace, Lord, that we don't even deserve. Lord, but I know that you are filling us here today. Now, God, I ask that you would uh, fill us each with the Holy Spirit, with the power to do your will, to go and to do what you've called us to do, to love those around us with the love of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday downtown at 6.30 for the night of worship. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give 
or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.